Hello. Thank you for joining us for another episode of This Week in AML. I'm John Byrne, Chair of the AMLRS Advisory Board. And I'm Elliot Berman, our Creative Director. We are excited to welcome you to the This Week in AML podcast, where we explore key news and developments in the global financial crime prevention community. Hi, John. How are you this week? Hey, Elliot. Um, I know we talked about this offline, but you know, sadly, a couple of weeks ago when we did this, we had to mention our colleagues in uh, Buffalo and how obviously everybody's suffering. And once again, it's happened again. And I won't, I'll let a lot more intelligent people talk about this, but I just want folks to know that we are also paying attention to the horrific things that occur in this country because of the lack of political will. And I'll just leave it that way. But uh, bottom line is, uh, you know, uh, uh, we are, we are just, we are just hoping for improvement. I'll just leave it that, that way. Yeah. Um, I, <clears throat> as you know, um, both of us are pretty good at having words, but it's really difficult um, both for this particular event, but just the continued string of events to really find words to adequately describe it, um, describe what happened and to describe the frustration that we as a, as a nation have not figured out how to fix it. So yeah, I, the best um, thing I would say is if people haven't already watched, it's not very long. Uh, the coach of the Golden State Warriors, Steve Kerr, before uh, the last game they played a couple of days ago, um, just watch his three or four minute set of comments. I'll just leave it at that. It was just not just articulate, but so spot on. I think that's probably the best way to describe how most of us are feeling. Uh, yes, I agree with you. Hey, so uh, a couple things. Uh, we had a, we had several balls in the air this week to figure out what we wanted to talk about, and, but I wanted to go back to an issue that we've we've discussed many times, and obviously we've been involved in several projects over the past number of years, and that's the broad concept of de-risking. And um, I saw something this week that we've talked about a little bit offline, and that is um, a letter sent by the chairwoman of the uh, Committee on Financial Services in the House, uh, Maxine Waters, to the president, because there's a summit of the Americas that's coming up in June. And she took the time in a letter to talk about uh, her recommendation that there be a priority issue added to that if it wasn't already on the agenda, and that's financial access and inclusion. And, and we've both talked about how uh, de-risking or uh, lack of access has impacted humanitarian groups, but the focus of uh, Chairwoman Waters' letter is uh, the impact it's having in the Caribbean nations because of, uh, you know, correspondent banking concerns. And I thought that's also a very important part of that. Um, I, I know you, you saw that uh, as well when she sent that this week. I did. Um, and I agree with you. I think one of the big things um, that it calls out is the fact that de-risking is uh, is uh, an issue across many parts of our financial systems, and um, uh, this part of the um, regional economy, um, these uh, Caribbean and um, Central American nations, are um, are another element where. Uh, organizations, uh, financial service providers um, certainly feel, some feel that um, it 
the risk tolerance they have doesn't include them for a variety of reasons. Some of those have to do with sort of regulatory expectations or prior regulatory actions, not necessarily about against that financial service provider, but just in the space. Right. And um, several of the uh, themes that are mentioned in the letter that caused this, besides what you've just uh, referenced, um, are well known to our community. So they call it an unfortunate mix of potential regulatory penalties, uh, maturing AML laws, lingering, and they say often inaccurate negative perceptions, which I think is fair, um, and low bank profits. Uh, but I think one of the things that uh, struck me as important to highlight, uh, 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 they mentioned the um, uh, Atlanta Council report in March on uh, issues in the Caribbean, which I'll reference in a second, but part of the uh, focus of uh, the, the House committee that I thought was important to reference is um, providing technical assistance, supporting a consortium bank pilot project. I think that's a great idea. See how it works. Creating programs to encourage small and medium-sized banks to offer correspondent banking services, which would be something that I know some of our clients would be interested in learning about. And then here's what the focus for me level setting U.S. and regional examiner understanding of AML enforcement. We can't emphasize that enough. While I hate the jargon of level setting, uh, I understand the point that we have believed for a long time, our clients have believed for a long time, that part of the main, one of the main drivers of de-risking is frankly uh, the changing of regulatory expectations and not understanding what is acceptable risk mitigation. So I think referencing that uh, is extremely important. And as I said, she also mentions in the letter uh, a March report from the Atlantic Council. And if folks haven't had the chance to read that yet, it's um, on their website. It's entitled Financial De-Risking in the Caribbean, uh, the U.S. Implications and What Needs to Be Done. And there's a financial inclusion task force uh, that is referenced in there. Uh, I would say that there's some also uh, important uh, recommendations in that report that you should take a, take a look at. Uh, they also talk about some of the issues and they also ask the treasury to what they call work a, a mechanism that standardizes compliance requirements and has training components to that. And I think you connect that with working with examiners, you might have some potential improvements, at least um, uh, that, that would seem to be a, a, a useful uh, direction. Yes, um, I think I think all of those things, you know, ra um, raise up the point that rather than just continuing to uh, de-risk, um, that um, uh, that there are solutions or at least things that can be done to manage the risk, uh, open the, the area, the number of players in the space um, by having, you know, banks that have not necessarily done correspondent banking in the, um, in the past uh, uh, be involved. And of course the regulator uh, issue uh, would be, all of those are 
ways to manage this problem or to do something about it as opposed to just make it bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we, we know what happens when you de-risk in uh, the humanitarian space, but when you, I don't think there's as much understanding and the, the report and what the committee is doing is focusing that understanding on correspondent bank impacts. Cause they talk about how it will impact obviously tourism, trade, things like improvements to water quality. I mean, there's so many things that if you don't have financial access for these institutions in that region, um, you know, they're, they're going to have difficulty in protecting against crime, all, all sorts of things where, where monies are so important. Uh, they reference uh, remittances, you know, how important that is to help the working class populations to access the U.S. dollar. So there's a whole host of things this is not new to you and me, but I think it's important that as we try to tackle inclusion and access, we look at clearly what we've been looking at, humanitarian and charities, but also understand the correspondent bank uh, dilemma that's, that's been going on. And I think this, uh, I would imagine that this will be on the agenda for the, for the summit. And obviously the banking committee has done quite a bit of work in this space. Yes, uh, absolutely. And um We'll uh, link um, in our posting on our website, uh, we'll link to the um, uh, to the Atlantic Council report, which is a, a worthy read and um, and also to um, Chairman Waters letter. Um, and uh, it's a space we recommend people continue to pay attention to, you know, for those of you who are at uh, insured financial institutions. Um, to the extent that when the regulators are in your in your institution for an examination or just a meeting, you know, if if you can get things like this on the agenda and do some uh, some education, uh, which I know many of you have tried to do, um, if we can't get a level setting at sort of the um, examiner uh, in the examiner agency level, maybe we can do it one by one. That's right. Yeah. And I would just say going forward, uh, Elliot, um, we uh, obviously, as we're recording this this afternoon, we have a webinar on sanctions that I know people are going to want to uh, watch the recordings of. We're very excited about having our colleague Tim White moderate with two experts. I, uh, we were able to post an interview I did with Jamal Al-Hindi, the former deputy director of FinCEN, who's now at Clipper Chance. I think you're going to find that compelling as well. And we have a number of other things in the pipeline coming up in the next few weeks. Yes. And our June webinar will be June 23rd at 1 p.m. Uh, Eastern time for the live stream. And the topic is uh, customer risk rating models. Um, so uh, I think that would be an interesting one as well. Um, so everybody uh, have a great, if you're in the U.S., long weekend. And uh, John, I'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Elliot. Stay safe. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Yeah.